Drive with Kurt and Anthony on FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT. Welcome. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. A little more Rod Stewart. Our friend Kelly Devine is with us now on the McKenzie Country Classic Hop. Hotline is open as always, 888-414-0303. Good morning, Kelly. Good morning. You guys enjoying the Christmas season? Absolutely. And Kelly, before we get into anything, did you are you one of the people that ran into Rod Stewart anywhere over the last couple of days? <laughs> That's why you're playing Rod Stewart. Yeah. Yeah. He was spotted in Virgins and Stowe and well, I all went, over uh, Addison yeah, County. A, fr- a friend of mine had uh, who runs a uh, private investigation company in in Vermont had a rockin' party in Virgins on Saturday night. I was wondering if Rod might pop in, but oh wow! <laughs> Seven days had to do a retraction. They they had bought into the story that Rod Stewart was down in Virginia. Oh, and it was a lie. It was yeah. not Rod Stewart. <laughs> it was a guy, a British music star, or music guy. I don't know if he was a star. I don't know that uh, but a lot of Rod people, Stewart really fits with the Vermont vibe. A lot of people took selfies with him and were certain it was Rod oh Stewart. Oh, my God. Well, But I don't he, think he had the mole there. One thing that uh, I like, one of my favorite performers, singer-songwriters is Lyle Lovett. Oh, yeah. And he comes here a lot, as you know, probably pretty much every year. And he always goes downtown and people take pictures with him. I, I haven't seen him yet. Um, uh, my other favorite is John Hyatt. Um, yeah. I have met John, had my picture taken with him. John had a hiking accident this year. Yeah. About two months ago. No and, kidding. uh, he's laid up. So he had to cancel his show in mid October. Well, they, he stepped out and Rod, um, Lyle Lovett got someone else to perform with him. But yeah, Lyle's great about hitting the downtown when he's here and yeah. always putting up, you know, giving it positive press, positive press, positive press. That's what it's all about. We need some positive press. <laughs> uh, I got a great downtown story, but I hear you have a great downtown story, Kurt. Do you want to go first? You go first. Okay, I'll go first. I've been on the air two hours. So, uh, <laughs> you know, there was a great piece on WCX about the building at City Place. Mm-hmm. Oh, I saw that. Catherine Hunt, yeah. like on the top it's, floor. I have to say for our listeners, if you haven't seen it, hop mm-hmm. on their website and take a look. It is really good. I'm going to put it on my LinkedIn page so you can get it there. Kelly Devine. Um, I had a little technical difficulty with that over the weekend. Wasn't sure what was going on, but it's a great story. And one of the most amazing parts of the story is that Catherine Huntley and Dave Farrington go to the top it's very level cool. of yeah. the building to see what the views look like. And it's absolutely amazing. And they also show the building at night because the building is now lit up. It sort of looks holiday-ish, but it's really construction safety. But uh, anyway, there, you know, there are positive things happening. I'm really excited about that. But uh, they they wrote they raised up the last piece of steel last week, yeah. right? Dave did a video of it. He was there with his with Al Senegal and Scott Ireland, his two partners, and the mayor. And they signed the piece of steel and they raised it up and they put a Christmas tree. Uh, they made a little holder and put a Christmas tree in it and, and raised it up and put it at the top of the building. And I work right there, so Dave sent me the video. And then I'm like, Dave, where's the Christmas tree? He goes. Because they did this not this past weekend, but the one before, he said those those really high winds <laughs> during last weekend. The Christmas tree blew off, and I'm, ta- I'm at an event talking to a friend of mine who's a lawyer, and he's like, "Where the heck did?" The-? So right. if anyone out there has seen has had a rogue Christmas tree pop up in their yard, and maybe you took it in and gave it a new home, but. Right. There seems to be no idea where the Christmas tree uh, ended up, or maybe Dave will call 
call in and say it did end up on the site, but he was like, the Christmas tree blew away. So we were having some fun. Uh, because I was thinking, geez, I don't remember seeing a tree up there. What a great idea. Yeah. But I'll tell you what, it is really something to see this thing come to fruition. Yes. Because yes. how many, oh. the long winding road that this went too through. Too long, yeah. too winding. For a variety of reasons. Yeah. And it was not all one thing. Everybody blames everything on Don Sinex. It wasn't all Don Sinex. It was not. No. And, uh, but um, we had lots of people who were convinced we were never going to see anything there. There and were a lot of people who wanted to never see anything there. And that's the truth, too. There were people yeah. that wanted that to be a public park. Right. I don't know if our listeners know. I, I'm sure Kurt does. Burlington has one of the highest percentages of public parks and green space oh, for yeah. a city in America based on our acreage. This isn't a population thing. Based on our acreage. We did not need another City park there. No, we absolutely bringing in, didn't. Bringing in no tax revenue. Bringing in say. no tax revenue. No tax We already space. have enough locations downtown yeah. that bring in no tax revenue because there are a very high number of nonprofits. I'm not talking about the hospital and the university because they do a payment in lieu of taxes, but we have a lot of nonprofits that don't pay taxes downtown. Some of them contribute to the economic vitality of downtown, like the Flynn Theater, but others are providing services and there's no tax bill. With right. That. So that thing that. The biggest thing to come out of that, I mean, also reinvigorating the downtown. More people living down there, right? Means yeah. shopping, as yeah. as Dave Farrington said in the story. More people shopping, more people going to restaurants, all of that. And hopefully, and he said in the story, hopefully pushing out the bad. Yeah. I heard Whatever that. The phrase I heard is. that. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah he, I think yeah, that's a phrase that I use a lot. So maybe, you know, maybe he, he picked that up from me. But um, it's a truism. It really is true. Uh, good behavior displaces bad. It's a truism in cities across the country. Uh, the other thing that I think is interesting about this transition, because that's Ward 3, we really have never had, uh, at least in my tenure, and Kurt, you correct me if I'm wrong, probably if we go way back, we there was, but uh, you know, of the last 15, 20 years, we, maybe 30, we haven't had a person in the city council who represents Ward 3, which is most or all of the downtown, I think now with the realignment is all of downtown, who really has an eye towards downtown. It's been someone who's a progressive counselor like Joe McGee, who Mm -hmm. is much more focused on, you know, human rights and equity and justice and, you know, uh, harm reduction. We haven't had someone in that seat um, that really has had an economic focus. You know, some of them have had some balance, but I think it's always been... There hasn't really been a strong focus on downtown, so it would be nice if we could, um, at some point, have someone in that seat that would bring downtown issues to the council, et cetera. Yeah, because as you mentioned, obviously there's going to be a lot more people living in the downtown area after this. He's saying this is on track for, I think, to be completed at the end of uh, the end of next year. Yes. Next, next yeah, that's just phase season. one, too. Yeah. Let's right. keep that in mind. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I just went to the, uh, this is one of my favorite things about Chittenden County is the Allen Brooks and Minor Report. I don't know if you guys are familiar with it, but they collect all this data. They put out this, like, two-inch thick volume, and they do an analysis of uh, the commercial real estate market, retail, apartment, and industrial. And it's always a very interesting uh, thing to see. And, um <laughs> couple of interesting points relative to housing development in Burlington. One, much more activity in South Burlington, both in 2023 and 2024 overall. Mm -hmm. They're building. You go over there, they're they're building. Oh, yeah, they are. And they're doing a lot of mixed-use development. They're doing a lot of the type of housing that, uh, you know, people are looking for. Uh, Their Market Street area with the... 
there's a there's because they have the similar I think this is why I'm not an expert on South Burlington so if, if I'm if I've got it wrong feel free to call in but um, in Burlington you have to put first floor retail when you do a residential building in our dense dense area and I think it's the same in South Burlington so there's with all those apartments that are going in in marketplace there's first floor retail first floor retail first floor retail and I have to say that that really made me nervous because you know a lot of these Burlington folks are, you know, concerned about what's going on in Burlington and their ability to be successful business there. And then you get competition from the suburbs. Right. And um, we had a huge amount of competition in commercial office space when places like Water Tower Hill went in and they renovated the Global Foundries. That has softened. There's really very, very little building um, and production on commercial office space, but there's a good amount of production on retail out in South Burlington because of the residential they're building. So that made me a little nervous. Um, industrial is really hot if anyone wants to get into that. Um, commercial vacancy wasn't as high as I thought they would predict. It was higher than average. It was, I think, 8.6, and the average over time is around 7.5 or 8. But um, the other indicator is... Um, DPW, uh, the DPW parking director is coming forward with a memo, I think it's on Wednesday, to make some adjustments, adjustments to parking rates downtown. Um, and uh, par- the, the, the reason that they tell me that they want to do that is because their revenue is so far down. And part of the reason their revenue is so far, far down is there are m- much fewer people doing those office leases than there were like... Um, you know, a very significant decrease. So you're seeing a, a decrease in office. Uh, so you have an increase in office vacancy, and so there's a decrease in parking revenue. Yep. So the so the Department of Public Works is literally going to rework the parking plan because it's off so much. Yeah, and I'm working with them on that, which has been good. But yep. um, yeah. All right, well, we're going to take a quick break. 888-414-0303. Number one news talk station, FM 96.3 and AM 620, WVMT Burlington. Listen to the music, everybody. We are back on the morning drive here with our friend Kelly Devine and the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline's open, 888-414-0303. Give us a call if you have a question for Kelly Devine. Kelly, uh, we've been talking about City Place development. It is uh, rising up into the sky, and we're thankful for that. That is a good sign in Burlington. That's great, yeah. And then there was the, the building around the corner from that, which seemed to come up in a hurry. The that, Nest? Yeah. Yeah, the Nest is amazing. Um, and then right next door to it, uh, the building that used to be People's Bank, and now is half a, half a bank and half um, residential units. That's great, um, but... As you said about City Place, and the ne- and the nest did go quickly, and Moreau takes credit for that, and I think rightly so. Um, the other big thing about uh, look, taking a close look at residential real estate is they're showing they show projects that got built, and like uh, Williston, forty seven units, Essex, forty nine units, South Burlington, forty eight units, the nest, forty nine units. All of that, I think. Primarily, and I testified about this at a at a hearing. The Natural Resources Board on Thursday sent in written testimony. It's because people built uh, builders are trying to avoid Act 250. And the number one thing we could do to promote private development in Chittenden County 
is to provide Act 250 relief for those towns that already have a robust review process at their own municipal level, including Burlington, including South Burlington. And, you know, we, we will never know if more units could have been built at the nest um, or because not. Because when you reference the, 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 I'm sorry to cut you off, but it's because it's under 50 units, so it doesn't trigger Act 250. Yes. That's why you said 47 yeah. units, 48 yeah, yeah, yeah. units. Yeah, yeah. There's, there's, it's, not, it does, it's not that it doesn't trigger Act 250. You can get a waiver. Got it. Depending on where you're located and if you're in a downtown, you can get a waiver. Um, now, the city place did not have to um, go through Act 250 either. And they're in, the, they're in our designated downtown, and they there's, a, there's an additional program that provides for that, but it's much more complex. You know, they have the affordable housing. Right. Not that these other projects don't have affordable housing. The Burlington one certainly does because it's inclusionary zoning required in Burlington for any project of that size. I've even had some real estate developers talking to me about whether or not Burlington would consider a moratorium uh, for a couple of years on inclusionary zoning to see if it spurs any development, because we need to keep in mind that the numbers right now for doing any kind of development are very difficult. Yeah. Now we have a prime location sort of sitting there that could be mixed use development right now, which is the uh, now closed Walgreens. It is yeah. a it, that will be a battle royale if you try to do, but it may be a battle that's worth having. Well, you know, I, I've been thinking, Kurt. We, you know, we have. I think we have two really important um, problems to address in Burlington. I hope that you know all the listeners out there and others are thinking about these things as we roll towards a pretty big election in March, and that election in March is going to be um, important to follow. For a bunch of reasons, including the fact that uh, it's also the presidential primary day, so voter turnout will be higher than normal. Um, but um, I think the thing is housing. We need housing in Burlington for tax revenue, for vitality purposes, as Dave Farrington rightly said on his interview. Um, and we need to deal with this public safety problem. And I, when I look at those two issues, uh, I think, you know, it's very, very clear to me that some of them could be dealt with locally and some of them we need to either work together as a region or turn to the state. And I mean, some of the complexity, Act 250 is a great one that needs to happen at the state level. We work with the Vermont Chamber on that and they've been great partners. Um, the public safety issues, some of these things have gotten beyond our ability to really deal with it as a single municipality. Well, there's no question there's going to be continued work on Act 250 reform, I hope. We heard that from Keisha Rahm, state senator from Chittenden County, just the other day. Mm -hmm. But um, I, I want to get into the mayor's race with you when we come back from the break. We're too close to the break right now. But uh, I want to ask you right now, before we go to the break, where where do we stand with the – we know that the, the building's going up. We're seeing it up in the sky, the city place. How do we stand – where do we stand right now in, re in regard to the connection of the streets? You know, we just got a an update on Great Streets, Great Streets Main Streets, and that project. We just got an update on that on Thursday, but it's still very soft. So, you know, we are attempting to work with the city. If I don't know, obviously, folks don't follow this stuff, and I know we're heading up to the break, so I'll try to be quick. The budget to do redo Main Street into a Great Street between South Union and Battery was forty seven percent over budget. Oh. Now that's not just inflation. Um, there were there were some, you know, I, it seems to be they seem to be admitting that there were some not great numbers used in their estimating. 
So now they're trying to reduce that project to three blocks instead of, I think, six or seven. Uh, they still need to do that underground sewer, you know, the old say. ravine uh, rework. We absolutely need to have that done. Yeah. So that is down to three blocks now. And that is scheduled to at least the start on the, uh, there's a water main work being done there. And this is part of the Great Streets Project. Yeah. And then this ravine next, when we get in right to the beginning of 2024, but they said they were talking numbers on the connectors of 2026. Well, uh, I mean, are you talking in that second part about the, well, Con- we've the always connectors talked to, through city place? Through city yeah, place. that's what I'm talking about. That's, so, that's something that's always been a big so part of this. Was that, was that if they, in order to get this built, they had to make sure that they were responsible for the connection of the streets. Yeah, twenty. They were saying twenty twenty six. So that means, and you know, these numbers float all over the place. They just change. But I think we need to be mindful of the cost of construction now. The mm. you know the lack of staff we have. These companies that bid these out. You know who can actually do it. I know that um, you know Dave's crew is responsible for some of the work. The the folks that manage City Place and they're going to do part of the work with their own labor. But yeah, it looks like it's looks like that's a couple years out. All right, now we got to hit the break. But when we come back, we're going to talk to Kelly about the caucus, where the Democrat, where the race for mayor stands as we head into just a little over two months, two and a half months to go before the race, and how it's looking downtown in the in the holiday season. All right, we'll be Sounds back. Great. We're going to every day the morning drive FM ninety six three and AM six twenty WVMT. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here, and our friend Kelly Devine is with us, taking us all the way up to 9 o'clock this morning. And Kelly, um, so I did do some shopping downtown. Yeah, you know, Kurt, I'm going to say something that's going to drive you crazy, but wouldn't it have been nice for Christmas if it was snow today rather than this 48 degrees? Absolutely. No, I do want want snow for Christmas, yes. Christmas, winter drags on too long for me the cold weather and the whole bit, but I like a white Christmas. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's and, kind of and Church Street looks really beautiful in a snowstorm. Oh. I know it creates a lot more work for the team down there, but they take really good care of the street. I hear you. Mm-hmm. But I do want to just ask you this because my wife and I were talking about it. It looked beautiful downtown. Yeah. The great big tree. We saw people, I think they were tourists taking pictures of themselves in front of the tree. Yep. The decorations look great, but there's one thing missing that I thought was great in the past. Those, those decorations where they were sort of, you know, the ones that they would, they would um, cascade. Yes. Yeah. What happened um, to those? So that was part of a program. It's interesting because um, I, I think I had, had been talking to uh, the city about that recently, Carl Alnaswari about that. There used to be a program called Winter Lights that came in in February. So they used to, after the Christmas was over, they had like a second round of lighting and it was a sponsored thing. And you have to get sponsorships a lot of times to cover the cost of these. And those lights were part of that. And that program went away during the pandemic. And and some of the merchants were asking about, you know, because lighting is important about bringing it back. And I don't know... um, why they didn't put those lights up but i'm imagining that you know over time these things just 
burn out and maybe they didn't That's have That's what enough. I was wondering. But that used to be part of something called the Winter Lights Program. I mean, it looks great, but boy, those were great. You like those? Those, those, yeah. those gave it a little additional, that year that those were up, whatever it was. I think one of my favorite things, in one year during the pandemic, we were so strapped for money that I had to do a fundraiser to get the money for it, is the the big uh, gar- fresh garland that they buy. I didn't know this until that point, that they buy from a company in New Hampshire that makes all that beautiful fresh garland that goes yeah. over the intersections. Yeah. It's absolutely gorgeous. I mean... There's no question that Church Street looks great. Uh, Friday afternoon, we had a company lunch, um, had a great time. But the best part about it was lots of people were coming in the door. You know, it was pretty active because I'm asking businesses all the time, how's the season going? How's the season going? How's the season going? The reviews are still mixed. Uh, We still need to urge people to come. And we have, what, it's a week from today, right? It is a week, week from, from today. Today's um, Christmas. So you know, to, to do shopping downtown, uh, to come downtown and eat and, um, you know, drink and hang out and have mm-hmm. fun. Um, I think we still need to push people for, for that. But, you know, let's not forget how amazing downtown can be during the Christmas season. Oh, yeah. Because there's something really powerful about the community gathering together. Mm-hmm. And Church Street is a place where people do it. No, no question about it. And we were down there for a big chunk of time Saturday. And Yay. I'll give you my little report is that uh, um, Homeport was very busy. Yep. And they and I talked to the owner. Yep. And he said it's been a great holiday season for him. He doesn't, That's great. He doesn't know about all, everybody else, but it's been great for him. He's very uh, grateful for that. And it was great. And it was great to see. We went in a number of stores. And one of them, we were walking back up the street and... As we started to go by, it's Slate, right? Yep. Store Slate there, big window. And as we walked by, there was a mannequin, little, a blonde-haired boy with a nice blue suit on. And as we started to walk by the store, I said, whoa. I said, Kim, is that a mannequin? I said, I thought I, thought I saw it move as I walked by. So I stood there and looked for a minute, and this little boy, blonde-haired, nice blue suit on, was standing just completely still. And so I moved closer to the window. I got right close to him. I said, I can't tell. Is that a mannequin or not? <laughs> and then like as one, I got but... right up to the window, all of a sudden the boy took off. Oh. It was a real boy. <laughs> so I said, we got we to go in here, Kim. Kim wanted to go in anyway. Yeah. And I went over to the mother and I said, your son, they had three boys. They were getting ready to go down to the Flynn. Yep. And they were all dressed in really cool blue suits and ties. Nice. And I said, your son, I thought he was a mannequin in the window. She said, Oh, he was doing that intentionally. He was oh, trying to pretend as many. Funny. That's funny. <laughs> so I said to the kid, I said, well, you, you fooled me. Oh, that's that great. Was, I that's thought great. you were a mannequin. See, there's something that happens when we connect, you know, when we when our paths cross, when we intersect with each other in a public space. It's really amazing. And, you know, that's why I fight so hard and do what I do is to try to make sure we don't lose that. Because, you know, if we lose any more ground, any more significant ground, every every couple of feet we lose... It's like takes twice the effort to earn back than it does to preserve it. So you know what's going to make me sad, and this is, I mean, Church Street Tavern is closing. Down. I know that's been I there know. forever, right in the center of Church Street. Um, it used to be a place I stopped uh, frequently, um, and it's Saturday. I stopped in there Friday night with a friend, and the bartender told me Saturday next Saturday night's the last night for Church wow. Street Tavern. He was wow. disappointed. He said, "I wish we were staying at least through New Year's Eve because I know. he said I made six hundred dollars bartending last Christmas Eve." Mm-hmm. Um, and so he was disappointed with that. But 
So I think I'm going to stop down the last. Wow, night. they're not even going to be open on New Year's Eve. When's that? The 23rd is their last day. Yeah, Saturday the 23rd, 23rd is wow, the last day. Wow, that is that's an institution. And you know, mm-hmm. I mean, if you look back on pictures of Church Street from the 80s or 90s, there's yeah. different bars and things transition. So you know, there are a bunch of reasons why this is closing. But I also think that some of our longtime uh, um, proprietors and operators are like, you know. I've been thinking about making this move. I'm going to do it now because there's yeah. other factors pushing them forward. Now, the question always is, can we get other folks in? I'm hearing some good news about lease up of properties on Church Street. Uh, vacancy rate is at seven and a half percent as of December 1st, which is not nowhere near the highest we've ever been. And certainly it's actually below the average or close to the average. I think it is. Um, so, you know, uh, it's not of, of a high level of concern, but what I always think about is the side streets, because what happens when you have a lot of transition is sometimes side street businesses will move downtown. Sometimes mm-hmm. you have new folks coming in. Sometimes you have nationals that have been wanting to take a chance on church street and, and they do. Um, so, you know, we're going to see a transition over the next year, I think of the composition on church street. Um, and we have to continue as a community, I think to both, how we vote, how we speak, and and, and choices we make, um, really make a decision on whether to vote to support this amazing, amazing pedestrian mall in downtown we have because it is such a precious, precious, precious thing. We're talking to Kelly Devine. If you have a question for Kelly, give us a call on the McKenzie Country Classic Hotline, 888-414-0303. Now, Kelly, I do want to get your thoughts on the mayor's race. Obviously, we've got eight city council races, too which collectively are very big as well. Yep, absolutely. Maybe even bigger at this point. Collectively. Yeah. What is the, what's your take on the mayor's race where it stands right now? So, you know, as you guys know, uh, probably since, I want to say the beginning of 2021 at the latest, I have been really trying to get the word out there that we had a public safety crisis we need to start addressing. And for a long time, I felt like I was, uh, the only voice and I've been in here saying elections matter and you know t- going to city council and testifying and spending a lot of time trying to get the word out about this issue it's hard to talk about challenging issues and especially hard to talk about challenging issues when you know the 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 blowback or the pushback is you know don't you care about people that right. you know are on the street like I've actually had people you know city department heads say to me like well where are these people supposed to go or don't you care and you know, I, I think I take a pretty balanced view and I do care. So it is really uh, probably the best Christmas present I can have gotten to have both the governor's office paying attention to this issue. Uh, some people, you know, p- putting some real data behind, putting pushback on the state legislature, which seems to already seems to want to push forward a big agenda of harm reduction without any solutions to, you know, what's wrong with our correction system, what's wrong with our mental health system, how we're really treating substance use disorders. There's been some pushback there, like the campaign for Vermont survey. And um, the the caucus was a resounding, in my opinion, call from voters in Burlington that public safety is the top issue. That's how I saw it. All three candidates said that in in the Democratic caucus. What do you take from the win by Joan Shannon? Do you think it was because do you think it was in large part because of Karen Paul's vote on the 2020 resolution that defunded the police essentially defunded yeah, the police? Yeah. So we've got to make sure we mention that it's not just Jones win. Jones win in the first round. 
Yeah. Yeah. You know, because she actually all over the 600 more votes than Karen, I think, in the first round, which surprised the heck out of me. But I, I got the notice at tw- 512 and I'm like, what? So uh, I do think that Karen's vote had an impact for sure. Uh, I don't see how it could not. Um, I also think that um, that the campaign, Jones campaign, did an effective job of getting her public policy statement out. She at her press conference, she had some real leaders with her, like Algo Bay, former head of AHS, you know, ran operations up at the hospital for a couple of years. So she had some high profile people, Michelle Ash supporting her. Uh, local Who was the former police uh, chair of the yeah, police commission. former chair of the police commission. And so, you know, I think that people saw that and, you know, felt like this is the candidate who will take it serious, take this seriously. And, you know, those of us who know Joan and, you know, she's got really strong support in her in her district. You know, she's a straight shooter. And, you know, I think her having that reputation helped her in this particular case at this particular time. Do you think the race is going to boil down on March 5th, town meeting day to Joan versus versus Emma as it is right now? Or there's about six weeks left where people can still file as an independent. Republicans could run somebody. They caucus tomorrow night. Do you think any other do us a favor, Republicans, and don't do that, please. <laughs> <laughs> do you think? I'll I mean, say it. I mean, it's what I. I think there will be other candidates, but the question is: Is there going to be anybody else of significance that is a credible name candidate? Yeah. So you know, uh, Karen had said, I think, on the show here actually, that she was going to back the winner of the caucus. Well, Not her, her campaign her manager, campaign, manager, campaign, manager, her campaign said, manager yes. was very definitive about it. Yeah, Karen yes. had been a little less definitive. Yeah, she so said, her, I was, intend. There was a clear word about that. Uh, Madison was on here. You and I interviewed her, and she said she would back the Democratic candidate. I'm hearing that she's not having any plans to run well, independently. But remember that she, well. She waffled at the debate. She waffled at the debate, but yeah. when she came on here, she came said that she had, she said that she had made a promise to Mary Sullivan, former state rep from the South End, yeah. that she would not run as an independent. Yeah, but she also sort of said, and so I said, so so you won't be running then, and yeah. she said, no, I will not, as of now. Yeah, she I, said I, it twice. I'm hearing that she's not going to do that. Um, now you know because we have. Uh, ranked choice voting, we always have to think about which Joan is supporter of. We have to think about what what impact that has. Mm-hmm. Uh, just like the caucus, the best case scenario is someone comes up 50, I don't care if it's point zero 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 one in round one Boom. for ranked choice voting. Um, but I do think, as I said earlier, if people are showing up to vote in the primary, then, you know, that, ha- that, that especially if in this upcoming election, that has, a, um, has the opportunity to bring out more voters, let's say, from UVM. Who yep. are at college but want to vote in the, in the primary? I don't know if they're away that week, but I think it's the following week. Oh, that's going to be a huge impact. All right, we're going to take a real quick two minute break. We're talking to Kelly Devine. If you want to join the conversation, the Mackenzie Place for local talk weekday mornings. The Morning Drive News Talk WVMT. We are back on the morning drive as we head to the finish line with Kelly Devine and the Mackenzie Country Classic Hotline is open and we'll go right to it. Let's go to the phones this morning. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. Good morning, Kelly. What kind of uh, concessions can you give us Republicans for uh, not running a candidate? Let's make a deal. What can, what can you give us here? 
let's make a deal. I, I, I can I can give you that it will help make sure that we don't end up with a progressive controlled mayor's office. But Kelly, I want to ask you this. I want to ask That's you this. The best gift I want to give. Anybody. I want to ask you now this. Now I'm on the record and I'm going to be in trouble because I'm not supposed to have a professional opinion. So that's Kelly Devine personal talking. I want to ask you this, though, because you brought up IRV and said the Republicans shouldn't run somebody. But why, with IRV, shouldn't the Republicans run somebody, right? Because that's the whole theory is you you do away with the spoiler effect. So well, that, so in that- my opinion, Republicans will take uh, take uh, vote, votes away from the Democratic candidate. I don't think it, they'll take votes. But if they votes cast to, a second vote, vote yeah, why, well, for her, why does at, it matter? Because if. as I said, and we've talked about this, so I said, the best outcome, I think, is someone to win in round one. And what if that, if the, if the vote is, let's, let's assume the vote is heavily split, generally. And I think it will be. I think it's going to be a tight race. I mean, Moreau won by 129 votes in 2021. Right. It was very, very close. So if it's a close race and... You know, five or eight or ten percent of Jones votes gets pulled off to a Republican. There's a chance that Emma could come out of round one is with fifty-one percent. Is it because you think that um, Republican voters might not cast a second vote? They might just say, "Hey, we're voting for the Republican, and we don't like." No, the other because I think no, it sh- increases the likelihood that Emma could edge over that fifty percent in round one. That's what she. That's, well, if, that's, she, if she gets over fifty percent, she wins anyway. Yeah, but she might. But, but, but the, the Republican is, vote. No, that doesn't. <laughs> you know, 50% doesn't matter what you did with those other votes. Right, but if they, uh, that's my point. If they didn't split in the first round, then they would then. If she gets 50% in the first round, it doesn't matter what they did in the second round. But if, but if a bunch of those votes went to a Republican candidate instead of the Democrat, then, not then it they, would have changed. It, it, it wouldn't have. Not if, the, if, if Emma gets 50, over 50% in the first round, she wins. Mm-hmm. Yep. If they go to the second round and those people cast their second place votes for Joan, they count the same way. They, they would, she, if, if Emma got 51%, it didn't matter what all those Republicans did with their second place vote. Okay. All right. I see. I understand. All right, let's go, let's go to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. <laughs> yeah. Happy holidays. I wanted to talk about downtown. Yeah. And the up, yeah, the upcoming, uh, uh, festival that's coming uh, first night. Uh, you had some really great uh, guests on first night. One of them was Anais Mitchell, and she always used to be at the UU Church. She's too expensive now. She's won seven Grammys on Broadway for her play, Howtown. Jennifer Hartswick played a few years ago. Yeah, but that's always going to bring night. a lot of people downtown. Yep. And what's going on for first night? So it's called Highlight now. It's run by the city. There's a pretty significant investment. They have typically had a um, uh, virtual, but I don't think they're going to do it. Aeneas Mitchell did get some great fame through the Broadway play Hades Town, which I had the good fortune of seeing. It was amazing. Um, but there's going to be a whole program. So go to BCA's website or just look up Highlight. There's going to be a whole program of events, and it's much lower cost than it has been in the past. All right. Let's go back to the phones. Good morning. You're live on the morning drive. You know, this is probably not something that all of you want to hear, but um, I've contributed to Emma's campaign because I think Burlington del- deserves her. But would you would would you support a two state solution for Vermont sitting in county being the other state? What do you think, Kelly? You know, I thought we two already state had, solution. I thought we had a de facto two state solution going on with Montpelier saying Burlington knows are your problems. We're right. gonna, but it has been really good to see the governor's uh, team and 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 folks up uh, up in um, Montpelier sort of shift for that. I want to remind folks. This is something I say often. 
We have had, and it looks likely we will continue to have, Burlington elected officials as the Senate pro tem and the Speaker of the House. Yeah. They both live in Burlington, mm-hmm. Bill Baruth and Jill Kowinski. So, you know, uh, Burlington voters need to hear from these people. Yeah. Agreed. Well, agreed. 100%. Phil Baruth did, uh, became part of the panel, the Public Safety Forum, and then was on that panel last week. Now, maybe he said a lot more than I saw reported on the news because I didn't make it to that. I should have, but I just didn't make it. But um, his one of his things was for public safety was we're going to take the charter change with no guns allowed in bars that Burlington passed quite a few years ago and didn't go anywhere in Montpelier. Yep, and make that a statewide thing. That's what he wants. That's what his goal is. But okay, I get that bars and guns where there's drinking, et cetera, is not a good fit and not a good match, and it's not a good idea. But I don't see how that solves any of the problems in Burlington. So, you know, I have, I have a chalkboard in my office that I use to try to think through these complex problems. And I have the, like, level one crisis problems, the level two, the level three, you know, uh, you know, crisis level red. People carrying guns into bars is not on crisis level red right now. It is not even close to being on that list. I think it would be a good thing to do, um, you know, but I also know what happens in Montpelier when you start to talk about gun control. With the rest of the state, talk about a two-state break Mm because the rest of the state. And so, you know, uh, if I had Phil's ear, uh, I would would ask that he focus on other very significant problems. Well, you know how you can have his ear? How? Call into this show tomorrow. He's going to be on the show. (laughs) He's going to be on uh, tomorrow. So you can call in. He's going to be on Wednesday. Oh, Wednesday, Wednesday. Oh, I think I I do have something I'm doing. But uh, the other Phil, Phil Phil Baruth. Oh, who are you? I'm talking talking about Phil Baruth. Yeah, that's what we were talking about. Phil, I'm sorry. What did you think? Oh, you thought Phil Scott. No, Phil Baruth, who we were talking about. He's on Tuesday. He's on tomorrow. Yep. Let's yeah. just clear that up. Um, you know, so we're getting close to the end of the segment, and I always try to end on a positive note. I was and I ask started you. on a positive note this year uh, as well. Um, you yeah, know, what's your message to people out there in regard to the downtown and the, and the marketplace on this holiday eve of the big holiday? So you know, there's a bunch of people out there. I think. I think I we. There seems to be this narrative that it's big business. This is small business owners that need your support so that they can keep going through the um, tough winter months ahead. Please come and shop and dine and eat downtown. She got there it in go. there. Nice job. Tomorrow, our GM, John Mullet's going to be singing for us. Oh, I love and it. And Senator Phil Baruth. I should yes, come indeed. in and sing with him. And Mike Pichak. We'll be here. News Talk WVMT Burlington. From ABC News. I'm Sherry Preston. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin.